Hello, and thanks for listening. As promised, in today's episode, we're going to talk about our wish list for a modifius fantasy rule set toolbox. Thanks for listening to Fluff and Crunch, where we talk about the connection and sometimes disconnect between system, setting, and story in tabletop RPGs. Okay, so here we are to talk about our dream wish list, what we would like to see in a fantasy, uh, more we call it like more traditional fantasy yeah. by 2 Die 20. But before we jump into that, I want to say that we just hit over 5,800 plays cool. on, our, on our show. And uh, so those of you listening, I really, we really appreciate it. We really appreciate that you're taking the time to listen to our... Uh, our sage ramblings, if there's such uh-huh. a thing. Um, and uh, yeah, go ahead and make sure to look us up on Facebook. And also you can still, we don't get many emails, but you can email us at fluffandcrunch at tutanota, T-U-A, or T-U-T-A-N-O-T-A dot com. And you can be one of the non-Nigerian uh, finance ministers trying to <laughs> offer me money. Yeah, it's such a joke. It's supposed to be this like, secure no spam email and i got like a couple weeks ago um i got offers of all kinds of money transfers from uh from various uh sub-saharan african states i'm like uh, no and we don't have any gaming to talk about do we because it's only been a couple of days uh no yeah i didn't do i didn't do my normal journalist game on monday night like i would normally okay. do we uh, i did something else instead so no i don't Aside from um, starting, well, I, mean, I don't know if I've started the process, but I think I'm going to have to find another NFL team to support. <laughs> I won't go into that, but 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 because on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, well, but, but you know, hey, look, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about, and uh, and actually, some of those folks have given me some good advice, and and I have so many diehard football fans in general saying you can't do that, which then makes me want to do it. So do anything I want. <laughs> anyway. I also, it's one of those things. Yeah, just like you know, well, can't you? Well, I can. Yeah, when you when you if you yeah if you just had enough of something and you go like yeah why can't you? So, yeah. There you go. So we'll we'll see. But let's talk about sunny happy things like what we want in a rule set, a fantasy rule set from Modiphius. Uh, that's closer to what we'd call like traditional fantasy, like your D and D style uh, fantasy setting. What are you thinking? What, what what's an idea? Where do we want to start so that we can make sense of this? And maybe this will get to the modifius people, and they'll say, "Wow, those guys are really clever. We should do that." So if we look at every every single game that has come out from modifius so far for for two D twenty has always come with a setting. So one of one of the awkward things you've got is that. And they, like we've said repeatedly, they always do a very, very good job of matching the rules to the setting. And yep. actually, that's part of the problem with what most people want. Because the reality is, I think a lot of people would like a thing which is generic enough that if you wanted to use it in your own world, you can. And actually, if you look through most of those settings, that's very difficult. Like, you know, Mutant Chronicles doesn't really work for anything other than the Mutant Chronicles. Conan, Conan, you know, you can use it for any sort of sword and sorcery, low magic fantasy setting, but that's that's it. 
you can do it's Conan or Conan adjacent. Um, Star Trek, you, I think you could you can you could probably use for other things, but it's just you know Star Trek doesn't have money in it. There's no money rules, so you have to be existing in a far fan a future sci-fi world well, where you know we, we don't have money. And two, Star Trek also, by having the broad disciplines instead of more granular skills, it it leans toward the assumption that these characters are high competence. You know, it's it's not there's not a grittiness to it. Yeah. Yeah, I know I I, I agree. That's that's definitely an issue. So are you saying that you would like to see a a set of fantasy rules that are not wedded to a specific world i mean i'd like to but the reality is we know that's not going to happen there's no way we're dreaming here we are um well in in, yeah i guess in that case i think that's kind of what i wouldn't mind is that i'm actually releasing either releasing some a fantasy rule set which is the world is one they've made up which is so generic that it's super you know like forgotten realms which is just so kitchen sink and generic it has Forgotten Realms yep. got to the uh, point. If you dig really deep into Forgotten Realms, you can find bits of inspiration and clever ideas. But it's like this little city here, because this was like someone put a lot of work into that city at some point. But mostly it's just a kitchen sink that they just throw everything in. And even, you know, Wizard of the Coast don't even bother with it anymore. They've just kind of got, we're just going to do this stuff in this, this savage coast stuff and forget the rest of it. Um, so, you know, that that's kind of that kind of thing. Just a, a world that is so generic without anything else that you could easily do it um or again this is why we've said a lot of the time we, we would expect an elder scrolls on elder scrolls is a pretty generic fantasy there's no i'm sure someone's going to get well if they get upset please email us because then that'll be cool we'll have more feedback um but elder scrolls is pretty you know you have you have orcs and elves and actually i'm not sure you do have dwarves because pretty much every character race in Elder Scrolls has to be like the same height so they fit on the same character model so I, <laughs> so I think because of that I'm not 100% sure there are dwarves in it because like orcs are like kind of like humans that agree with like different ears and eyes and like there's like three different kinds of elves but they're all made and there's like cat people and lizard people but they all basically have the exact same like measurements for their body except some of them have like different features it's almost like yeah it's like old school Star Trek they just have okay. slightly different things on their faces. Yeah, um, it's different nose ridge. Yeah, different so forehead. So there's something like that. I think that would be one of my things that you know the people are going to want to take. Guess what we want it for? We want a fantasy tool set for two D twenty, so we can take it and do other things with it. Um, one of the downsides of a lot of two D twenty games is that they're super good at making sure that that setting matches that rule set. Yep. But then that means if you want to play with that rule set out of that setting, it's very, it's very difficult. All the all the games are great at doing what they've designed for, but they're not then great at like, well, I'm going to use it for this other thing. Um and so actually it'd be nice if they kind of realize that with a fantasy thing. Obviously, if it's a setting that's tied in like Elder Scrolls, then they're limited. But that's like I said, quite generic. But yeah, if it was a generic enough setting that takeover i want to use it in my homebrew well you know it's one of the reasons that people love D is that there are settings but kind of it's, it's it's so easy to go i'm doing my own world well i i think too i mean let's face it in all the in all the world of role-playing games since the 1970s when when dungeons and dragons came out to now my guess is that the vast majority of gaming sessions 
have been fantasy. Yeah. You know, the va- and the vast majority of those have been Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, I mean, I, I think that's probably a, a safe bet to make. And it seems to me that the vast majority of people who homebrew worlds, they're doing it for a fantasy game. Yeah. I think most people are playing fantasy role-playing games who are playing RPGs, and the vast majority of people who are homebrewing worlds from a from a village to a city to a region to the whole thing to like a whole, you know, a cosmology and all that stuff. I mean, really going going nuts. It's for a fantasy world. You don't run into as many people or conversations online where people are talking about world building for like, you know, like a, a dark near future. Yeah. You know, people aren't world building for uh, a steampunk so much or a Wild West Americans. You know, they're not. They're not. You yeah. you you get Deadlands because you want to play in that or you get Star Trek because you want to play in that or World of Darkness or whatever. And so I, what I would love to see is I'd love to see, and, and, and this also goes off of, you know, I'm, I'm trying to throw little goodies at Modifius to get them to agree with me here. I think I read somewhere uh, on the, the Discord server about how um, core books sell like five times as much as supplements. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah, it's the entry into the game. And that's the, the book that most people, players and GMs, are going to buy. If, if they were to produce a fantasy toolkit rules set, you know, they could, people would buy that. And, and then, you know, maybe, maybe they could then spend time producing shorter like introductions to worlds or yeah. settings or I'd, something like that. But what I would love to see is I'd love to see a, a, a fantasy rule set where magic is, is kind of pegged somewhere, and this is going to sound ridiculous, like in the middle. You know, if Conan is magic that's difficult, is dangerous and, and rare for the player side of things. And then you've got D&D where magic's like really not dangerous to players or characters rather at all. And it's, it's, you know, off the shelf, you know, the assumption is every town has like a magic Walmart that you can go buy wands at and stuff like that. If they were to set, you know, set the stove setting to medium and then have commentary, because I, I know, and I've seen screenshots on the discord there is some kind of internal two die twenty SRD. Yeah, that that it seems to me the designers work from as they tweak the system to fit different properties. If they were to provide a, like a kind of a down the middle approach to magic, where magic is there's obviously there has to be a throttle on how much how like how many spells a character can cast. You know, maybe there's like a stress track that's like. Um, that is, you know, determined from some attributes or something that just represents like your mana or your essence or your spell points or something like that. And it's not like, you know, you're going to get a nosebleed or you're going to go crazy or something like that, or something's going to eat your soul. It's just, you just run out of juice for the day or for a period of time. And you have to recoup that as per, you know, stress tracks and different tracks in this system function. I would love to see something that establishes that and then includes commentary like, sidebar commentary of hey if you want to crank up the magic and make it more like like this you know the 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 game that will not be mentioned um you want to make it like that this is how you could go about doing it or maybe rules for if you want to tone it down and make it more like something like lord of the rings where there isn't so much 
pervasive character-based magic, well, this is how you would go about doing it. I could see them doing that and it being wildly successful because fantasy players and fantasy GMs are going to be the ones who are going to be doing the world building. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a reason that when Fantasy Flight like, did the whole Genesis system and the initial book was not good because you couldn't, it was unplayable. You needed settings to play in it, as far as I was concerned anyway. Um, the first setting they released was their fantasy one. And mm-hmm. it's not like their fantasy one was a well-known setting. It's like the, 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 there was games that used it, things like Descent. Was it, and I was it proprietary? Was the setting? Pro- I know nothing yeah, about it. It, it I, was. So it's, oh God, I can't remember what it's called. Realms of Terra North, which again, the world was not, but it's a, it's a setting they'd used in a lot of board games. So like Descent, which is okay. like on its third edition. Now that uses that setting. And a lot of their other board games use this. Set, not that they have a miniatures game now, which uses this setting. But this setting had never been done in a role-playing game. In fact, I mean, that's kind of the thing. Fantasy Fighter kind of taking the whole idea of the Genesis thing, which has kind of gone a bit weird because they've moved all their role-playing games to another company um, within the Asmodee, like brand, is that they have a whole bunch of settings, none of which had role-playing games. So they okay. released this generic thing. So then they can, but, you know, a lot of their settings are semi-generic. So when they released this Realms of Terror and whatever it's called, it was really, you know, here's a bunch of setting, but also there was a load of here's how you use, here's a fantasy tool set for genesis but here's a setting with it and they did the same kind of things with with like android which is like look here's a near future semi semi cyberpunky kind of setting here's a setting the android setting but you know you could easily use that um for playing with other things you know that that it's always been designed as a you know genesis from the start was designed with we'll give you some ideas but you're meant to take it and do your own thing with it and yeah see what i'd like what i'd like is rules that are uh, for me, I, and you and I have talked about this a bunch, like Octum Cthulhu kind of sits right in the middle of yeah. like the crunchometer for 2-die-20 on that scale. And I would, I would love to see, um, I'd love to see skills not tethered to or nested under attributes. I mean, like Conan and um, Infinity and Mutant Chronicles do. Yeah. I would like to see it like, like Octum Cthulhu does, where they're, they're, they're separate and therefore interchangeable. I would like to see focuses not, I don't, I think focuses in Octum Cthulhu, how they're nested under skills makes sense for that. But I actually prefer the, call them like the floating focuses of Star Trek Adventures. Yeah. So I would like to see focuses done like that. Um, I think that a, a physical stress track and a mental stress track, I think you could make an argument to have that. Have yep. those separate. I think you could also make the argument to treat it like you do with Octun Cthulhu. It would be really easy with a little bit of commentary to adjust the, call it like maybe the pulpiness or the heroic um, degree of such a setting by saying, listen, if you want your characters to be a lot tougher, it's five wounds. You want to be a little less tough, it's three. And a little bit of commentary as to, you know, how that, how that plays out. Like if people who are interested in the, the probability and the numbers and junk like that, because that's a way that you could turn up or turn down the, the, the pulpiness and like the cinematic action or, or turn up the grittiness by reducing the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to see that. I think in a core book, there needs to be a, uh, like in Conan, there needs to be a section of monsters. 
yeah, I think they need to be locked. That's that's the one kind of thing where if it's actually in a separate book, I don't mind. I mean, I mean it never bothers me that all the monsters in in D and D are in a separate book because it's like that's sure. fine. I can go and get my monster book. I'm always quite happy with role playing games which have a monster book um, because it's handy to just show the players your your picture of the monster and have the stats there and not have to have it in the same book as all the rules, for example. That's uh, you know, it's, it's one of those kind of things. You know, people don't mind that for a fantasy thing either. People are quite happy to pay for a separate book of monsters. Yeah. Essentially. Now, though, what I would like, much like what is in the back of the player's handbook for 5e and the GM's guide, there are there's a short selection of monsters, NPCs, and animals yeah. in the back of one or both of those books. So I think a short section like that, because what I don't want is just a, like with Genesis, just a gener- a book of rules. Yeah. I want this to be a fantasy rules toolbox. Yeah. So I think there needs to be that there needs to be a selection of things like and and I'm sorry, you don't you don't need to wed yourself to a world to say the Arby Dragons. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You don't need that. Giant spiders are they're in every fantasy setting. Now, I would be perfectly happy to buy did you hear that, Modiphius? Buy. I would be perfectly <laughs> happy to buy a, a separate book of monsters. On one condition, and Chris, you just hit it. There got to be pictures. Yeah, that's one thing that drives me bonkers about horrors of the Hyborian Age. There's some really interesting monsters in there. There are not that many pictures. I want a picture for every freaking monster. Yeah, and you could say, well, wait a minute. Why would you want a picture for every monster if this is not wedded to a specific setting? I can ignore the picture, but it's nice to have a picture. Yeah. So it's got to be pictures for each monsters. But I'd be happy to buy a separate book of monsters. Yeah, I think it's fair enough having a handful of sort of token things, or even if it's just sort of like animals and NPCs that you can just use. But yeah, you know, it, it, when you start having, right, we want rules for, um, you know, all your character creation and we want rules for, you know, magic and, and magic items. And then we also want things for how to play in the system. And okay, you know, they're probably not going to release just the rule books. So they will want some set of material in there and they're going to have all these monsters in. It, something has to go and that's the problem we've got with some of the core books we've had is that then the thing that goes is all right well we can only put in a few little things that you can fight uh and we can't actually put in much information about how, how to run settings and stuff and it's like well fine so then you know just do a separate monster book and fill it with loads of really cool like they said conan had a separate monster book but then for some reason they didn't put but the there but in. there is a section in the book there with is some yeah, there is some there's in. something that enables you to get started yeah. The other thing I think would be important with, or would be useful rather, in a core book like this is they don't have to create a setting per se. Because, I mean, let's face it, generic, there, I, I think that there is a generic fantasy backdrop yeah. that most people who are interested in gaming will recognize. And it doesn't need to have sharp edges in that it doesn't need to be clearly defined. They could create a region. They could provide a city with farmlands or lands around it. They could create like what in fourth edition they called, you know, points of yeah. light. I don't know if you remember that, yeah. which I actually thought was kind of a clever um, like mental image. They could create a point of light and some of the some of that which is around it. And that's it. And that just would give you something as inspiration. Um, so that you could get it, and it, again, it wouldn't just be a set of rules, but, you know, I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with a fantasy setting that at least has 
part of its foundation rooted in, give me a castle, give me some semi-feudal socio-political structures, <laughs> and give me a pantheon of gods. Yeah. But no problem. And some like baddies off in the, the, the hills who run off with like farmer's kids and stuff like that. That's all. That's all you need. You need to keep on the borderlands. And that I think that GMs and gamers could take it from there. Yep. Uh, what else? Um, Rules-wise, I, I mean, you know the certain stuff we're going to get. They're going to have the, however they do, the attributes and skills for, for the sake of it. And there's going to be a combat section and stuff. Um, like, you kind of already touched on it. One thing I'd like to see is kind of change how talents have worked. So, like, we've had talents work in different ways. So, in some of the things, so, like, in fact, what I'd like is probably closer to what Dishonored had. Uh, talents in a lot of the things have had talent trees, and the talent trees are linked to ability. Oh, sorry, it's linked to skills. Yeah. But then you've had a lot of things where outside of those skills, there are no talents. Now, I think actually in some of the Conan books, they added on, like, extra talent trees for particular, like, not classes, but, like, profession-y type things. Um, and then Dishonor goes totally the other way, where the only way to get talents is your talents are based on, you have those like archetypes you pick at level one, not level one, you, you start in archetypes and they yeah. have talents. And as you level up, you can unlock more talents. Um, or then you have, you know, John Carter, where you can just make your own talents. I don't think I'd want the John Carter thing, but I definitely, I think I'd like one where you could have different ways of getting talent. So yes, you have talents that are associated with some of the skills but then i'd like to see talents that you know which are would give an approximation of you know your classes just you have that kind of niche protection it's the nice idea yeah. like it in conan you can pick oh i want to be like a like a fighter type character but really all that does is dictate what freebie talents maybe and skills it gives you and once you've created that character that now disappears and you can go down whatever talent tree you want as, as you feel like, which is cool, but you do end up, you can end up with a situation in 2d20 with those kind of ones where a bunch of the players, you know, they did, they have to deliberately talk to each other to avoid overlapping some of the abilities. So I thought, it, I think it'd be nice if you had like, you know, particularly if you have races to have talent trees for different, right, right. You're a dwarf. Here's your dwarf talent tree. You start with none of these, but you can choose to put XP into these talents, which only just can have, only just can have, or only, you know, whatever else can have. And a similar thing to, to classes, but it wouldn't be restricted to it. It'd be kind of more like you have in Star Wars, where you can choose to have, like, put things into, like, the, a fighter talent tree, but anyone can do that. If you then want, you know, you start putting some things into a fighter talent tree, which will split up. And then if you want to go and take some talents out of, a, you know, like a, a priest type tree or like a bard type thing, then you could do that which is what you can do in star wars which i was always thought was cool you know you can go and go and dip into lots of the different trees but then you're going to get very far down them or you can go really far down them but i think that'd be better because that feels more like the fantasy we're used to is having having abilities based on kind of what your what your niche protection is as opposed to the link to skills and it also gives you more ability to go to have you know they don't have to be linked to skills they can be on other stuff I like that idea. I like the idea of talent trees reserved. If I'm understanding you correctly, talent trees would be reserved for races and for those who that are that are gained and uh, and explored under archetypes. Yeah, basically. So there's a degree of niche control, so that if someone wants to have that that kind of traditional party of all right, here's my tank and here's my that that the, the one thing though I will throw in uh, about uh, John Carter. I like the idea that, you know, the, the, the system in John Carter, if you're not familiar with it, is 
there are talents, but talents are graded one through four, I think. Mm-hmm. And that is the, 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 the rating is based on a, a, like a, an approximation of how much momentum it would cost to do that thing. Right. And I like the, and, and there's also a system in John Carter for, for creating these talents. They have talents at various, at these different grades, but then they also have a way that explains like, how could you create a, a grade three talent or a grade four talent or whatever? I like the idea of a way that you could upgrade your talents. Yeah. Because you, and that could, that could fit within the trees, but it could also be um, character option wide where there could be a way that through experience you could improve a talent itself instead of buying another talent. Yeah. It would, it, would, it wouldn't, it wouldn't necessitate the creation of trees because trees imply additional related like synergistic talents. Whereas you just might want to say, I just want to do this thing yeah. more. Yeah. I don't want to do this other thing that synergizes with, I just want to do this more. And so I like the idea of instead of, like your character grows either because you improve at what you can do or because you add new things that you now can do. And I like the option of upgrading a talent. So I think I would like to see that. And I would yeah. be very happy with your like talent trees only in those instances. Otherwise. Yeah. I mean, I think the other reason I like a tree thing is that you can put them magic onto that. So if you look at kind of how yeah. mutant chronicles kind of does it, it's like, you, you start off and you only have access to like one or two spells. And essentially, as you increase your talents, you can kind of get extra spells or you get better at casting the spells you have, or you get, you know, like things like, or you take less damage when you cast spells, that kind of stuff. Whereas in Genesis kind of rules as written in their fancy things, magic basically casts from a skill and it's not a more expensive skill. So it's the kind of thing that like a fighting, right, I'm going to put a bunch of points into my melee weapon. And I'm going to put a bunch of fight the points into arcane magic, which then gives you access to like essentially any spell because they're kind of like custom toolkit spells. So you just kind of, you say what you want the spell to do and then you put kind of like, you know, layers on top of it. But that meant that there wasn't kind of anything meaning that like more powerful spells took a while to get to. You just kept pumping all of your XP into your, into your skills. Whereas I'd like to see that, you know, like a talent thing kind of like, you know, have, a, you know, not silly amounts of spells, not D&D, you know, there's like a hundred of different spells and so many of them are variations. Um, more the, I think Savage Worlds does a good job of its spells. It kind of like, you know, there's, there's a ranged attack spell and there's like a, you know, an armor spell and there's a healing spell. And they basically say in it, like, you just, you reskin this, you reskin this how you want, or, you know, you put, you have flavors or there's a word they use, but I can't what it is. Um, yeah. but essentially they're like, look, it doesn't matter whether it's a, you know, a frost spell or a fire spell. If it, if that effect matters, then you can do that when you create the spell kind of thing, but they have the core spells in it. That's what I expect. You have a bunch of core spells in it. Um, but I'd certainly have like, you know, at the top of the talent tree, you'd have, right. Okay. You can have access to these spells because these are your lower levels, but, and then you can go down the talent tree, which accesses more, you know, spells, which have more powerful things, or you bunch yourself to just stop you. Because the other way, if you have it too free form, the kind of thing you can have is that at level one, you know, you've got your fighter guy and he's got a sword. Yeah, I've got a lot of things quite hard. And you've got this wizard who can go, oh, I've got magic skill, but because I have magic skill, I can cast everything. You know, that's, you know, that's not, you know, that's, that's not fair. Somewhere, you know, needs some restraint. I would prefer magic to be dealt with through talents that you would grab through an archetype. Yes. And here, here's my thought is that, when I say generic in this respect, I mean 
flexible and open to modification. So a generic fantasy world for this, I see magic coming from magic that's like, you know, spell casting. You either learn it through study. You are granted it from some kind of a patron, like you're a cleric. Or it comes from some other source, like call it your X factor or something like that. So in D&D, that would, I mean, that would account for your wizard, your sorcerer, your cleric, your, it would, it would, those, you could put all, it would account for all of them. So what I think is that you don't have to say, oh, he's a cleric or oh, he's a this. No, no, no. You have learned, granted, something else. Um, and maybe, obviously you need a better name than something else. But you would choose that as your as your archetype or some kind of a um, like an umbrella set of of traits, and I think that um, by treating it as a talent, yeah, and rooting it in that instead of it being a skill, like skill again is something that you learn, you get better at by learning and honing it. But a talent is that is like something else. So you could easily you could you could differentiate casters that way and something else uh to go with that that i i get it i get the idea of balance between classes in dnd the the last several editions of dnd i get that um i think for story purposes it's not necessary you don't want to have a grossly imbalanced mechanically set of characters where like every you know your your min maxers and your munchkins are going to all gravitate toward one thing and your party's all going to be one thing because they recognize mechanically that one is just so much more powerful than the rest but it, it would be nice to have um to have options for like how many spells you get or how powerful can they get or how quickly or whatever so that i mean if a caster is being granted magic i think that's that should yeah. be qualitatively different if the gm and the players want to do it that way than if it's something you're studying um and maybe that could be expressed through um you know various talent trees or you know or again if you're able to upgrade talents whether they're within trees or not, you could you could you would have that option to say, you know, I want to do that in my homebrew world, um, but then the structure and the the tools are there. I'd like to see rules for magic items. A lot of a lot of systems that aren't D and D really gloss over it. They kind of just go, uh, uh, you know, they just they just don't yes. bother having them, or they just kind of really fudge it. And it's like, no, I, w- I want to see rules for what magic items look like in this setting. You know, even if they're not a lot, because actually there's some very, you know, there's, there's relatively easy things to do in because we already have weapon, you know, conditions. So your average sword will have, will just be a sword. It doesn't do anything, but you just, you can, you know, you can have a thing with what throws on vicious, but then you, you know, it's so easy to skin with other things. Or when you're attacking undead, you get an extra damage dice. When you're attacking undead, you get an extra D20 on your attack. Right. There's, there's tons of little things you can throw onto it. Um, so you know, it's kind of super easy to have magic rule, magic item rules in, in 2D20. I think it's one of these problems. That part of the reason that D&D does get it right is because right since, I don't know, maybe not the dawn of time because I'm not familiar with anything before second edition. But no, first it was the same, is that you have this player's handbook, Dungeon Master's Guy, Monster Mountain, and you know what's in each of those. The player's handbook is character creation rules, rules, magic spells. DMG is a bunch of stuff you probably don't need and have read elsewhere, and all of the magic item stuff and the monster manual is all the monsters. And straight away, you can look at that and go, actually, 
um, you know, do what we did with uh, Act and Cthulhu. There's two books. There's a player book and there's a GM book. The GM book has the magic items and the monsters and the player book has all the character creation rules, spells and, you know, uh, and, you know, like a really basic set, anything to, you know, pin the characters to. And I, I think that's important. If you're doing a fan thing, put rules for magic items in. So many, so many things which aren't D&D kind of go, oh, we're going to, you know, oh, it's not important. We don't want magic items in our setting. Or it's a really tiny little section. And you're like, it's a super easy section to write. Just don't just, or at least get, or give very, very clear instructions to the GM for how to do it. Yeah, I think that when it comes to weapons, the fact that there's already this whole system of qualities and effects, that makes... Hmm creating either generic or unique magic items really easy especially you know yeah. weapons yeah and yeah. the precedent then is there for qualities and effects that have to do with armor and other kinds of items yeah um back to I and mean, i feel like i'm beating a, a dead horse here but this idea of um you know various grades of talents that kind of because and again if you're not familiar with john carter or mars it's like a grade one talent is a talent that has the effect of that would be comparable to you getting one spending one momentum and a grade two talent is comparable to having spent two momentum and and it's yeah. explained in the uh the explanations of each of the talents and, and how to create and and you know and upgrade them you know to peg them to one of those grades I think that structure could be applied to the creation of magic items because you could say, well, you know, he, hey, here are my, um, okay, some kind of like magic boots that make me run quickly. Okay, well, we already have a mechanic for running farther and, you know, faster or whatever. We have that already. Well, that costs, that, 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 that's this kind of action. Well, to take that action costs this much momentum. Okay, so now we can peg the value of that to this much momentum. Like those structures already exist within, call it like the meta system. I think you could apply those and yeah. you could have a nice, clean uh, magic item creation set of creation rules. And again, it could either be because you want to have a high magic setting where there's crap loads of magic available everywhere, or where you have like, you know, Orchrist the the goblin cleaver and like that's it. Uh, I think that's an, an important thing that sh you know that should be in it and and doesn't seem even that hard to do. Like you said, the stuff is already there in the game to do it. I mean this is this kind of comes back to our frustration is that it feels that like they keep giving us more sci-fi settings when what everyone wants is a fantasy. And, I, and here's, the, here's the beauty of it. Again, I don't think that they need to go out and get the license for some existing IP. I, I really don't when it comes to fantasy. I think that a middle-of-the-road kind of oatmeal-flavored um, like proto-setting you know, again, uh, give give me a region. Give me a small, give me a, not even an island. Like, give me a valley. Give me a valley with some mountains around it. Just give me that. And and just as an idea that maybe I'll ignore completely because I already have this, I already have this, uh, this idea for what my world is going to look like. But I would, like I said, if you take the system, you provide the sidebar commentary from something that sounds like this internal SRD that the designers use, and then you just unleash it on the community. I mean, I come back again to what we've said plenty of times is that at some point, it, they have a set of, they have a system with a bunch of really good mechanics in it, which can work in lots and lots of different ways. Like, the, you know, I haven't, 
I, I literally think it could work in anything. I can think it could work in superheroes, which is a really hard push for a system. But I think their system is flexible enough that it, it would work for superheroes if you designed the rules around it. But at some point, just release uh, either, like you said, either a generic version or an SID or start releasing these toolkits and then let people actually go to town in it and release it themselves. Because it's got, uh, almost every, even half decent, you know, there's some probably yep. niche systems out there yep. which have community content on drive through. And it drives those games because people go, well, actually, if I write stuff for this, I can put it on drive through well, and then, you know, other people might buy it. And it's free money for them. This is the bit that I don't, can't get my head around. It is free money for Modiphius if they do that. And, and two, Modiphius already has this via Modiphius. They already have, like, they're already open to the idea of, of playing a role in the promotion of other people's yeah, stuff. Because they've done it all along. You know, they're, they already have that. Um, I would, heck, I would love to see like world content or adventures or things set in a world of my own creation and put it up on, on their, uh, their site, you know, some kind of, you know, seller site. Yeah. I'd be happy to do that if they gave me store credit. <laughs> You know, honestly, like they don't even need to, like, you know, because I know drive through, you, you know, the, 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 you, the, the authors get a, you know, they make money off of it. And, and, you know, Watsy takes a percentage of it. You know, I mean, there are all different ways that the numbers could be set up behind it that, you know, they don't even have to go that far if they don't want to lift, you know, do that, that work. Again, I think, I think a, like a Conan sized or Star Trek Adventures original size rule book. You'd have character creation. You'd have a lot of. You could have a lot of different talents and trees. You could have this talent upgrade mechanic. You'd have a sampling of monsters. You could have a sample region that's about as generic as you could get, uh, and you have then uh, sample items, spells. Uh, I personally, it's, it's weird. I don't like. I'm not a fan of of. Um, and fourth edition did this, and it made me mad. Uh, like the first level at will attack, which for every class did the exact same thing, <laughs> whether it was ranged or melee, it, it was die eight. And I, that annoyed me. Like, I want some, I want some variety here. But again, the wonderful thing is with, with, with effects is, you know, you could have a, a low or let's say less powerful. I don't want to say low level because that's pegging it to like D and D a less powerful fire ranged spell. Well, it could do the same amount of damage, stress damage, as a, a comparable low-level, like, cold spell, but obviously the effects are different, yeah. you know? And, and they wouldn't just be like, you're cold, you're hot. No, it's like, you're on fire, or, you know, you can't move because you're partially frozen. Yeah. Like, the, the, again, the system is already built with all these options, and so I, I think you would end up having a rule book of 300 pages or so that would have that would it would be primarily rules but then would have some some fantasy specific sample expressions a selection of monsters a selection of of magic weapons and items um and then again like some oatmeal flavored you know castles and malords and maladies and you know monsters in the hills kind of thing just as something maybe that's in conjunction with a short, uh, as as tropish as you could get adventure? Uh, I wouldn't like it, but I, I'm really not a fan of adventures in core books. The simple reason for me is that you only ever play them once. 
or maybe maybe play more than once. But True. the thing that always That's annoys me, we'll start, the other thing that annoys me is that you're all, you're usually trying to learn the rules of that version and also use the adventure at the back. So you're trying, you're always trying to flick back and always complete pain. Um, that's the kind of thing I would always write, you know, like put that, put, if you're going to do an adventure like that, do it in the GM, because we know they're going to do it. There'll be a little GM bite, like, you know, 40 page document, um, you know, which is not hardback, which comes with the GM screen, because that's what they do for every single one they release. They release the GM screen. Okay. Put an adventure in there. Yeah, that's fine. It's a separate document. It's only a thin thing anyway. I don't mind if there's, I mean, you know, I, I still miss the days when we had adventure generators in those things. Um, which they don't seem to do anymore. Yeah, um, I like those. But, you know, put the adventure there. Please don't put the adventure in the book. It's such a waste of page counts. Like you've got a 400-page book and you're going to okay. take 20 pages oh. out, which could have been 20 pages of monsters. Um, I think another thing I'd say is if you're going to have, you know, if you're like, right, we just want one core book where I think in it, although they, some people might perceive it as wasted page count, put in rules for these are the guidelines for making your own monsters. These are the guidelines for making your own magic items. These yes. are the guidelines for making your own spells. So rather than have to look at what's in there and go, oh, how do I do it? Because actually most of the 2D21s don't have that. You can use the stuff that's in there. If you're an experienced GM, you can go, well, I'm going to reskin something that's already in the book, or I'm going to knock up something. This looks about right. But, you know, put clear rules. You know, it's only a page. It's a page to, to explain how to make a spell. It's a page for, I mean, it's three pages. That's not, it's not a lot of stuff to explain to GMs how to make their own stuff if something's going to be more, more toolkit-ish. Or even if it's not, we'll have some GM help. Not another thing about, you know, this is, this is how you treat your players right and this is what an adventure. Like, we know that and we can read it in a ton, a ton of other places. Give us rules for how to make the things which are specific to this set of rules. Um, and this would be the one place I don't need a thing which tells me what players do because it's fantasy. Everyone knows what players do. Isn't it? Yeah. Well, one thing I'll add, though, about I, I think your idea about the basics of monster creation or monster modification, which, you know, those two sides of the same coin, I think, and also items. I think that to make a, a book of monsters even more valuable than just monsters. You know, the, the monster manual for D&D for the last few editions has had monster yeah, modification definitely. and creation rules yeah. in it. I think that you could add more detail. That kind of a book would become more valuable and more people would be apt to buy it if there was an additional layer of, it's all, of rules. It's like, it's like the division books for Star Trek. You get you get more talents. And so it's like, okay. And there's a lot of fluffy writing about like, here's different kinds of stuff your con officer could do or whatever. I think that they could, you could have your basics of monster creation in the, the, the core uh, tool toolkit or core, yeah, core book. And you have the same thing for items, but then probably items would be a little more detailed because I don't see a book no. of items because those I don't see that. I know that D&D has put out stuff like that in the past, but I don't see that for something like this. But then you could do like a next level take on more monster um, traits, qualities, yep. stuff like that in a monster book. I don't know. In terms of a core book, I think that's it. Like I said, there's other books you can release because you can release a, release a set in book which uses the core book. You know, you release a core book first, and then you say, some people might not buy it, but release it. If people are going to take that that fantasy toolkit and use it for their own things, then putting any like, a huge chunk of setting in the original book is a waste. Anyway, I don't believe for a second that Modiphius would even release anything which doesn't have a setting already because that's that seems to be how they go. I'd like them not to, 
You know, I'd like to see, um, and, and I think Modifius already has, they, they do this really well already. And yes, they did it yesterday. Uh, they, they produce a lot of PDF-only material yeah. that's short, that is immediately or easily actionable. Like yesterday, they released the um, start, like a, a bunch of 10 mission briefs for Starbase-based adventures, for Star Trek adventures. You know, it, it's like, it has 10 mission briefs. They're one page each. Obviously, that cost Modifius staff time. And, you know, it, it, there was a direct cost and a time cost to them, and they give it away for free. But they also produce... Uh, these modules that they're selling for, you know, five, six dollars US or whatever for Octun Cthulhu, I could see they already have this structure in place and this workflow for doing that kind of thing. I could see that for additional small supplements mm. for something like this. Uh, and then, you know, hey, maybe maybe they do come up with a um an in-house maybe a proprietary setting and they flesh it out, you yeah. know, maybe they do something crazy, like a, like a living world that people can, you know, contribute to from the, the community. I could see that as a, you know, a, a logistical nightmare, but I think that there are a lot of options. And again, it's just fantasy is the thing that everybody mods. Yeah. Everybody comes, everyone has their own wackadoo, myself included, wackadoo idea for a cool fantasy world. Yeah. I just think just, you know, we just want to see it happen. They, 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 you know, they have this great system, and I feel this great system is hidden behind a bunch of settings that Star Trek aside, people don't want to play in. And so you do see people. Gosh, I'm getting, I see a lot of, a lot of excitement about Octon Cthulhu. Uh, yeah, I mean, the good thing about that is that all the money stays with them, which is why I think they need to do more propriety settings of their own. But it's, it's kind of the thing that bugs me that I genuinely think, you know, this is, the, this is a really, really good set system and they do a really good job of making it match the settings. But how about just trying to let the system stand on its own? Because you get a lot of people that kind of, you know, they, they put us straight, well, I don't want to play Conan. I, I don't want, right. I have no interest. You know, what, what even is Dishonored? I'm not bothered about playing in Fallout. So because of that, people won't even try the system. And then obviously... Yep. People who have tried it, it might try things like Home Infinity or Mutant Connors back in the day and found it very difficult and now won't try it again. I mean, Star, you know, Star Trek luckily has done really, really well and it's clearly still making the money because they keep releasing more Star Trek stuff all the time. Well, and they've also, I mean, they're, they're about to come out with source material for Picard and for Discovery. Yeah. Which I won't touch, but that's just, that's just my own... We should That's touch Picard. I mean, how can you not like Discovery? Fair enough. It barely feels like Star Trek in some ways, but Picard was proper Star Trek. Picard is what they should have just done with. They should have just done anyway and gone, right, let's just go back and just like, we'll just go and do Star Trek, but it's like 20 years afterwards um, or however long it was, anyway. 20, 30. What? Uh, so well. <laughs> so we, we, we have a fork in the road here. We have... We have that that's rooted in a desire for a a tool book or tools like toolbox style approach to a fantasy setting that tries to drive down the middle between high magic and maybe grittier magic, but not like ugly magic, like like sorcery. Yeah, we'll call not, that sorcery. Not Conan, because we've got that already. Right. So we have it rooted in that, but then it forks. And where it forks is a monster book, I think, can be generic. Yeah. Um, a GM screen with uh, 
with in with useful tables like the Conan GM screen, which I think is the best of the lot that I've seen. Um, that can be generic. That's still like down in the the straight line on the in this before the fork in the road. But the fork in the road is what could they produce that would still be largely generic but useful versus what then becomes uh when does it become more useful and i would guess as a business from a business approach to produce something proprietary because or in a fixed setting because you're not going to i mean i guess you could put out adventures i mean you know first edition dnd we need to remember back 40 years that there wasn't a defined setting yeah for years like i remember when the forgotten realms boxed set with its like uh, like clear map overlays everyone's all excited about that i remember when that came out and the idea like whoa the idea that a setting would be defined you know i remember there was that Greyhawk box that i never had that it was definitely light on details compared to what we expect now when it comes to like a setting book or back then a setting boxed set. But I think maybe maybe I'm I'm maybe I'm wrong here. Maybe there doesn't because what I'm concerned about is like from a business standpoint, what do you do? How could Modifius produce purchasable things that are generic? I I think I think you actually struggle beyond a larger amount of things. Cause if I think of other sets in games we've done something, so I think like the age system where they did fantasy age and they, you know, they originally that came from a computer game. It was the dragon age role-playing game. And they turned it right. into fantasy age, which became modern age and other stuff. Um, and they couldn't do anything with it because they released a generic book and then you can't go anywhere with that. And that is the problem. We're doing a fancy toolkit thing at some yeah. point to sell more stuff. Um, you know, you can do books which have, you know, we're talking about talent trees, more, more talents and combat options and stuff. But I think you struggle to fill a book full of that. You're selling crunchy bits. Yeah, realistically, the- <laughs> you have to sell setting, which is... You know what, though? But think about this. So much of what makes up the worlds of D&D, those worlds came from separate and mutually exclusive adventure modules. You know, like... So, like, Tumahars existed, like, all by itself. And keep on the borderlands was all by itself, and the the, the ghost tower of Inverness all by itself. Uh, you know the 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 four the slave lords series, those things. Oh, Ravenloft. The worlds in the worlds in which those exist were were defined and detailed and like codified after the fact. Yeah. And maybe maybe people would have to wrap their heads around this. Maybe it would be like a breath of fresh air. But if he's just like we're just going to put out modules. Yeah. Just put out modules, and if a world develops out of it, cool. If not, screw it. We're just playing modules. I, I think you actually already hit the nail on the head with the kind of just release this relatively generic fantasy toolkit thing out into the wild and just let people make stuff for it. Because if you, again, like we said, if you release yeah. it and then say, right, this is now community, con- community content, you can make your own stuff for it, then people will write what they want to write. So people will write combat things, people will write modules, people will write their own settings, and it will all be there. And again, like I've said, that the fact that if people are creating things for something, that creates the community and it keeps things going. Like I I don't think that fifth edition would be as big as a big as it is if it wasn't for DMs Guild. I agree. Even if I don't think I've ever really got anything off the DMs Guild, I've put stuff on there. 
and that has earned me money. And because of that fact, because I was writing stuff for DMs Guild, it kept me interested in 5e. Although a lot of the time I was writing stuff for, for, for DMs Guild with no intention of playing it. I, I think the idea of the DMs Guild, it, it, it spurs imagination and creativity from members of the community, which then has a like an a echo effect of spurring other imagination and creativity from the community. And it causes and it generates and it maintains engagement. I mean, you don't have to rely on, I mean, you know, Wizards of the Coast do release books, but even if Wizards of the Coast were not releasing books, other people are releasing things on, on DMs Guild. In, in some cases, you know, including massive big things, like the stuff that Keith Baker, I think it's Keith Baker, released for everyone. You know, he released a little thing initially, and then they released a proper book, and then he's released another big, you know, it's, it's, it's a fortune if you buy it yourself, because it's like some 400-page thing. It's like $80 or something insane. But when he does that, he's not doing that through Wizards of the Coast. He's doing that himself, and he's paid for the, however else he's funding it. Um, and people are doing it, but with, with Modifius stuff, no one can do that. People are not, you know, I can put stuff on my blog, but unless people read my blog, they don't know it's out there. You know, it, when you put someone central, that people can see it. Um, then it, like he says, it builds this community. It's, it's, it's very much, you know, it, it's, it's field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. That's, that's what it is. If it's true that core books sell far more than, than supplements and adventures and all that stuff, you create it once and then you maybe you put out the monster book which i would consider to be a core book for something like this and then the staff time the, the create the cost of creation in organizational effort and actual like money is spent once product production is 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 obviously ongoing but that upfront cost is done once yeah and then if, and I think Modifius does a terrific job of engaging the community, like this Discord server with so many people who are either working for or somehow have like gotten the blessing of Modifius to speak on their behalf on the, the Discord has been terrific. There's so much engagement and connection that, that we can get with each other and directly with them. Um, you know, the fact that Chris Birch just drops in and Jim Johnson drop in and it's like not odd or anything like that for them to, to take part in conversations, I think is terrific. If, I mean, what if, what if they did this and then six months, a year down the road, some group of people are producing something that a lot of people get into like, this is a really cool setting. I mean, if this is like, okay, let's formalize that. And then they produce a setting book in conjunction with those people. I mean, like, you know, Eberron came from a competition. So if something like that bubbled up from the grassroots among this already vibrant 2 die 20 fan community, then who's going to know about it? The Modifius people are going to know about it. And then if they choose to act on it, they can you know, they could work to produce a book. Now, I'm not under any illusions that like just saying, well, they could just do that makes the business of it easier. But it sounds plausible to me. I mean, I, like I said, that I understand one of the reasons I'm convinced that they have held off doing any kind of community content thing is because almost all of their books, they can't. They can't do a Star Trek one. Yeah, it's exactly. So they can't do anything, which is really hamstrung them. Now, they could do it for Act and Cthulhu, but maybe they feel, oh, this is ours. But it's like, you know, it's like I said, the two things. If you release an SRD, pe people have done that, you know. Okay, it's, it is different for um, Free League, how they, you know, they just released an SRD and said, you can create community content using this SRD. 
big all of the mutant things and stuff were were you know their license but a lot of them aren't alien is they can't people can't mess around with alien um you know some of the others is, is actually licensed but they still released an srd and said go ahead with and they just do, do the same thing here release either you know, release this fantasy toolkit, which says, right, we're not really going to put a world in it. We might come out with a world book at some point down the road, but here's a fantasy toolkit. And, you know, we're going to let, we're going to let you play with it. You can play your own games or just play in it. But if you want to create stuff, we're going to let you create stuff in it as well. Um, and there you go. Run with that. In that toolkit, you have a rheostat to turn up the crunch or turn up the pulp or turn it down. Yeah. And the, that's where your sidebar internal srd or like call it setting bible or whatever uh that's where that information could come from there you go modifius there you go chris birch your 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 english brother is speaking to you and your cousin from across the pond is speaking from yeah. to, to you and if you go to your discord server there will be a chorus of people who will say yeah those guys are right yeah you don't have to release an elder scrolls role-playing game you could just release Oop. a fantasy 2d20 system and then if you want to release an Elder Scrolls book for it separately, go ahead. Boom. There it is. There it is. You're genius. Once again, like your the one-off should be a roller coaster. Hey, thanks again, and as always, for listening. And in our next episode, we're going to talk about maybe an unexpected and surprising source of story inspiration for GMs. Thank you so much for listening. You can visit our show's homepage at anchor.fm slash fluff and crunch. That's F-L-U-F-F-N-C-R-U-N-C-H. We would really appreciate feedback and reviews on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this on. Thanks so much.